bless every giver here, and that for us at the church, you give us wisdom to use the resources for your kingdom and for your glory. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Josh. Pray for Josh's cold. Right? Okay. Well, my name is John Maurer. I'm the lead pastor. Thanks for coming out and celebrating and worshiping with us today. I have a couple things for you as we jump into the, right before the sermon here. Uh, when you came in today, you got a little packet, and pull that out for a minute. Um, inside, there are seven different cards. The inside's all the same, the back's the same, but the front is different. And so just take a minute, pull one out, look at it. It says, mine, this first one I pulled out says, I found joy. And if you open it up on the inside, it says, what to expect at Vineyard Church. And then the first thing is, everyone's welcome. The Vineyard is a growing multi-ethnic and multi-generational community with open doors. You are welcome. And then its second bullet point is, relevant and engaging teaching. Pastor John and the teaching team share life-changing truths from the Bible that apply to everyday life. The third one is experience God in worship. Our, lo- our, lo- our live worship band help cr- helps create an atmosphere where you can meet with God and experience love, joy, and peace. And then the fourth one, what to expect at the Vineyard. It's a safe place for kids and families. Our kids and youth ministries are geared just for them with biblical teaching and fun activities that guide them towards the heart of Jesus. And then the back has a little map and information about us when we meet and stuff like that. So we printed these, most, actually I printed them because I want, I meet people out in the community, I want to invite them to church, and I always say, oh, we're at the Vineyard Church, and they're like, where's that? And then I tell them, and then I guarantee that they forget. <laughs> and so I, when I have those connections, whether it be at the library, um, when I'm walking around, I'm out to eat, I leave a, if you leave a good tip, you can leave one of these. If you leave a bad tip, you are not allowed to leave one of these. Um. Uh, But these are made for you as you're trying to connect with people in the community. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as a simple invitation, right? Jesus and the 12, they went out into the community, 70, 72, and they just threw out this invitation of the kingdom of God. And, um, And so sometimes it's as simple as just throwing somebody an invitation. So this is a way for you to possibly connect with coworkers, uh, if you said, hey, I'm praying for you, leave them a card because people are always looking, well, where do I even go to connect with God? I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Do I go do a Google search and the first one that I pops up, do I just go there? Where do I go? And so this is a, just a tool for you to use as a resource as you're trying to connect people with the very heart of Jesus. So um, keep, I encourage you to keep these with you. Maybe if you carry a purse with you or um, I always have one. Normally, I keep one in my back pocket and one in my car, and I just pass them out. I got them last week, so I started passing them out already. So I encourage you to just use it as a tool, and um, we'll see what God does with that, something that simple, okay? Um, so today, um, right after the service at 11.45, and if you have your bulletins, your communicator, pull that out. Uh, the second announcement on the right side says, Shepherd Care Ministry Meeting Today. Um, and this is at 1145 in room 7 and 8. And this is for anybody. Now, so today we're going to do some preliminary training for this team. But this is for those people that maybe you, maybe you have the gift of shepherding or maybe the gift of mercy. And you see yourself 
maybe you see yourself visiting people in homes or the hospital or visiting shut-ins or maybe walking by somebody that's going through a really tough time in life. Like this is that team. This is a team that we're developing um, for our community. And um, so if that sounds interesting, if that intrigues you, join us. the, The training will be about an hour and a half, maybe two hours long. And um, at the end of that, uh, we're going to, like, work together to figure out how do we launch this team and get this team active. So, um, so really we're talking Christ-centered emotional and spiritual care for those in need. Um, it, it, some of it's short-term, but some of it's also more, might be more long-term. So um, if that interests you, meet us in room 7 and 8 right after the service. Grab your food and just join us. And then... Um, my last thing, um, t- today I learned that Ozzy's mom passed away, um, and so be praying for him and his family, um, but also Gail Martin passed away earlier this week, and so be praying. Gail was a part of our church community for years and years and years, and so um, be praying for us as we're trying to um, figure everything out. Right now, we're going to do a memorial here uh, sometime when Pastor Tom gets back, and so that'll be in probably two weeks, so you'll hear about that. Okay, well, um, we've been looking, this, we're at part two of the series called I Am Jonah, looking at God's relentless pursuit of Jonah, and one of the things I threw out last week is, as we're reading this book called Jonah, this Old Testament book, I encouraged you to look for yourself in the book. Look for yourself, where do you see yourself, where do you see what you're going through and your life circumstances. Last week, we looked at Jonah running. And he ran and ran and ran until he could run no more, right? And so today, um, we're going to look at this idea of the sign of Jonah and what that looked like from Jesus' perspective. So that we'll t- get there near the end. But um, how about I open in prayer? Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, you're our teacher. Help us hear what you're calling to our lives and hearts today. God, we want to be your people. We want to stop our running and open up our lives to you and what you have for us because we know that it's best. It is best. So Jesus, we turn to you. Holy Spirit, help us see. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're saying to your church this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, October 16th, 2012 in France, there was a Jack Russell Terrier named Ethan who was poisoned and buried alive. Uh, This is a happy ending, okay? So just hold on. (laughs) Okay, all the dog lovers are like, what? It's a horrible sermon illustration. Uh, Well, it just so happened, this, this true story, he was... He poisoned, buried alive, and um, it just so happened that a man was walking on this pathway beside this lake, and as he's walking by, he pauses, and as he's just kind of looking down into the water, he notices this pile of dirt that was leveled to the ground, and he looks down, and he sees the ground rise up just a little bit and go back down. He's like, what in the world? He runs to his house, gets his shovel, and starts digging and digs up this dog that's like 
flat as a pancake. And it's like barely holding on to one single breath of life. And so uh, instantly uh, they took this, the, actually the firefighters took this dog to veterinarian Philip Mission. And this veter veterinarian said, Philip said, what do I do? This dog's like dead. And so um, they put hot bottle waters, hot bottles of water all around him. And his seemingly lifeless body uh, his veins were so cold, his body was so cold that they could not even find a vein at first because all of his veins had collapsed. Finally, they found one to hydrate him. Within 24 hours, Ethan was back on his feet. 24 hours later, back on his feet, the veterinarian said this, it's extraordinary. We only see this in the movies. He came back to life. It's a miracle. So Ethan was identified through a microchip that showed that this all happened on his third birthday. He came back to life on his third birthday. So Ethan experienced something like what Jonah experienced. While everything looks like it's going down, deliverance is coming. Resurrection's coming. A third day is coming. For Ethan, a third year is coming. So last week we looked at chapter 1, and we looked at, in the book of Jonah, where God calls Jonah to go to the Assyrian capital called Nineveh, where he's to preach against it. And every bit, probably every bit of who Jonah was said, I don't want to go there for probably several reasons, but one of the main reasons was that the Assyrian uh, nation had wiped away 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel, like wiped them off the face of the earth forever. And so there's probably a lot of fear and intimidation, like what you're calling me to go to the capital of that nation and preach, not just preach, but preach against it? Are you kidding me? And Jonah doesn't want to do that, so he makes his way down to Joppa, where he jumps on a ship to Tarshish, uh, heading in the exact opposite direction of what God was calling him to do. When he's on the sea, God sends a storm, which is about to capsize this trading vessel that he's on. Realizing he's to blame, Jonah tells the sailors that their only hope is to throw him overboard. And they do. The storm cut, suddenly comes to a stop. And yet, while they're thanking Jonah's God and worshiping Jonah's God, these, these sailors... Joan is sinking deeper and deeper into the sea. And as we pick up the story from here, I want you to try to pretend like you've never heard this story before. Try to, try to be the person that's maybe reading this story for the very first time. So Joan is sinking into the sea, and you have to wonder, is this it? Is this Jonah's end? Is this what it's all come to? And... It, think about the drama in that moment. Jonah gets thrown overboard, and is this the runaway prophet, the disobedient runaway prophet? Is this his end? Is this what is God going to do? Is this the end of his story? And then we're told in verse 17, chapter 1, that now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. 
Now, the word arranged is a very interesting word, and it could have been translated appointed or commissioned. So it's what a king would do toward to appoint like an ambassador to a nation. Uh, it's what you do for a person, okay? And so God appoints or commissioned this fish. So it's used for a person. Hey, fish, yes, Lord? Go pick up Jonah. And when you pick him up, though, remember, don't chew. Swallow him whole. Pretty unbelievable, isn't it? So unbelievable that you might have a hard time believing it. And so let me pause here just for a moment and talk about this because we all, as we're reading the scriptures in thoughtful ways, we sometimes wonder, well, did this really happen? How could this be? What, how could a person stay in a fish for three days and come out alive? And so if that's you wondering, how could a guy be swallowed and still live to tell the story? Um, let me tell you, as you're, as you're trying to study God's word in a thoughtful way, there's times where certain passages, you wonder, did that really, did it really happen? So there's, my wife's from Wisconsin, there's a Wisconsin fishing guide that said this, the only thing that cast doubt on the miracles of Jesus is that they were all witnessed by fishermen. So if you're a fisherman, fishermen are not known for like being the most honest, right? So my dad taught me that when you go fishing, if you catch a fish, you know, you say it's this big and you're, you tell the truth, you're talking about the distance between your thumbs, right? But everybody thinks it's this big, this big, right? So, and actually my dad taught me this one one time, we caught a fish it was like a mid-size, uh, a walleye, and um, we strung it on a, we put it on a string on a fish line and tied it to a tree, and then I stood like four feet back, and I held up my hand like this. And so it looked like the fish was this big, right? So fishermen, you know, like, so some have responded to passages like this, and they wrote whole volumes how a person could actually survive in the belly of a fish um, of a giant fish and here's the deal the point of jonah is not that we could survive in the belly of a fish for three days the point is it would take an absolute miracle for something that absurd and incredible to actually happen so the real question is are miracles possible are miracles possible and what we do know is that the very heart of our Christian faith is a God who is all-loving and all-powerful. All-powerful. And, like, we serve a God who makes donkeys talk and who uh, takes broken, messed-up people like us and knits us back together, and a God who allows people just to get, to get healed by touching a piece of cloth, and a God who does miracles like i i've seen some i just can't deny it i'm like i'm like i can't believe that god did that that's amazing a god who would send his own son into the world to die for us and not only die but guess what if G god can raise jesus from the dead i think he can keep a man in cold storage and a fish for three days okay i think it i think it can happen so don't let yourself get hung up on the plausibility of all this. It's only plausible because of God. Okay? 
So if you're going to get up on, hung up on anything in the book of Jonah, get hung up on the real message of what the story is really about, how God was up to something great even through a runaway, disobedient prophet like Jonah. Get stuck on that, right? So, Jonah's going down. He's going down. Even though God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, we're told that Jonah instead goes down to Joppa and board the ship going to Tarshish. In the ship, what does he do? He goes down to the bottom of the ship and he falls asleep. A little while later, he's thrown down into the sea. Now keep in mind that ancient Israel, um, the sea was a place of great fear and terror. It was a place of death. You guys, there's no divers with tanks of air on their back. Uh, there's no submarines. There's no Jacques Cousteau to unveil it all. Also keep in mind that when you heard about this giant fish, they weren't thinking of an overgrown tuna. They were thinking of a giant sea monster. The ancient Israels would have been thinking of a giant sea monster. So it couldn't get worse. In the gut of this giant monster, in the middle of the sea, in the midst of a great storm, Jonah's going down. So it's no surprise that what Jonah does next inside that fish, right? Do you remember what he does? He prays. He prays, right? From the gut of this massive fish, Jonah prays to God. And he writes this in two, uh, chapter 2, verse 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, from the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You answered my cry. Truth is, Jonah had gone a long time without praying honestly to God. The journey towards Tarshish was prayerless, right? Our running in life is always prayerless. Running away from God is always prayerless. He's not talking to God at all until he ends up in the middle of that fish. So let me ask you, why does Jonah pray when he's in the middle of that fish? And he tells us here, right? He's desperate. He says, in my distress, he has nowhere else to possibly go, right? In my distress. So when you think about the whole first chapter that we went through last week of the book of Jonah, it's all about Jonah's human actions and choices. Jonah makes his own plans. He uses his own, his own resources. He's going his own direction. And at the end of the day, it turns out to be the biggest mess of his entire life. Storm hits, a fish swallows him, and with that, the illusion of being in, in control is over. Jonah's story grinds to a halt. But you see it's there in the second chapter of the book of Jonah with no control over his circumstances, no action at all except prayer that he faces his past. God wants us to get there to that moment we, where we will face ourselves and face our past. Jonah has gone down as low as he could go. He's hit rock bottom. But it's there that finally Jonah's attention turns to God. He says, Jonah says, in my distress, I called on the Lord. And then what? He answered me. God answered him. Sometimes I don't think we stop enough 
to acknowledge that the creator and sustainer of the whole world not only hears our prayers, but answers our prayers. God answers our prayers. The God of the universe, creator, sustainer of everything, hung the stars in the sky, hears and answers our prayers. Not the prayers of a guy who's got it all together either, right? He's a spiritual runaway. He's hit rock bottom. He's turned his back on God. He says this, from the depth of the grave, I called for help and you answered me. You listened to my cry. You heard me. In his distress, he's feeling completely unworthy. Are you feeling completely unworthy today? Like a complete hypocrite? That was Jonah. That was Jonah in this moment. When he's the furthest from God. You know what he does? He calls to God. And what does God do? God heard and listened and answered. Maybe you've blown it. In your shame, in your stubbornness, you've been running. You don't have to wait till you have it all together. Guess what? All you have to do is call out to God. He'll hear you, and God will answer you. Maybe your marriage has been suffering. Call out to God. Maybe things are, look so good on the outside, and inside your soul is a disaster. Call out to God. Maybe you've been caught red-handed, hands in the cookie jar. Call out to God for help. God loves when his people simply just say, God, I need your help. I can't do this. Um, John Wimber said there's one prayer that God loves to answer, and it's the prayer, help! <laughs> We're acknowledging that we need God. That we can't do this in our own power. We are powerless to change this situation. God, help! Jonah retold his story in order to remind us that people like you and me, when we've got nowhere else to turn, when we need him the most and we deserve it the least, that God was there for him and that God will be there for you and me. Look at verse... Uh, five in chapter two the engulfing waters threatened me the deep surrounded me seaweed was wrapped around my head and then go down to verse seven when my life was ebbing away i remembered you lord and my prayer rose to you are any of you out there feeling a little bit overwhelmed this morning pray all right is it your own fault Pray. It's okay. It was Jonah's own fault, right? Pray. Have you been feeling like you like, don't know what to do in your life? Pray. Have you been feeling like you're not living the life that God wants you to live? Well, pray. It's, it's just what we do. It's, it's what God's people do in the, middle of our, in the middle of our running when we stop and acknowledge, I don't want to run anymore, God. I pause and I say, help it's literally that simple we pray are you concerned that your motives are kind of mixed up pray god's mercy and grace will never run out in you never never even to jonah's even to jonah's out there 
to those who have hit rock bottom, to those who are living life on your own terms instead of God's, to all of them and to all of us, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me. So think about this. At any point in the story, God could have snapped his fingers and Jonah could have been completely delivered, right? God could have calmed the storm just like that before the sailors threw him out of the ship. After being tossed out into the, tossed overboard, God could have sent a beautiful dolphin on whose fin Jonah holds and glides all the way to the shore. But God didn't do that, right? In fact, God could have, really, God could have sent a, a, mer, a really beautiful mermaid. God doesn't do that, right? God didn't do those things. The truth is, a lot of times, when we call on God in the middle of our troubles, God, please do this, we find that God might not choose to answer our prayer just the way we want God to answer our prayer, right? Just the way we'd hoped. But like Jonah, he's going to answer you. But like Jonah, you might be on the three-day plan. Okay? It might take a little while. God's priority isn't to make your life easier. Let me say that again. God's priority is not to make your life easier. It's to make it better. This is like John 10, 10 stuff. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest. God always desires to change us. You know that God's desire is to change our character, not just to leave you in the mess, so that next time in our desire to run away, instead of running for a week, maybe we'll just run for a day and then we'll turn, right? So God's after our character, developing our character of who we are. So in the middle of life storms, you need to consider how God might be working, even while still at sea, even while being swallowed by a big fish. So here's Jonah in verse 6. Jonah says, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Again, guys, the game's over. He's going down. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Um, a guy named Al Marino, he was a window washer in Manhattan, New York. And uh, when he looked down, as he's washing windows, people look like ants below. And so he's at, one day he's on, this is December 7th, 2007. He's at the 47th story of a high rise on a platform. And it collapsed. 47th floor, high rise, New York, Manhattan. He didn't land on a passing plane. His shirt didn't get caught on a flagpole on the way down. He fell 47 stories and splatted on the concrete. For two weeks, he hung on to life by a thread. Within a month, the, the doctor said, you're going to walk again. Within a month. Uh, he had some people praying for him. Okay? He had a lot of people praying for him. You guys, the game was over for Al. The game is over for Jonah they are going down in every respect of the way. But guess what? How does it end? 
How does it end? Jonah says this, But you, O Lord, brought my life up from the pit. Now, one word should stand out to you, and it's the word up. You brought me up from the pit. As the drama turns, God brings him up from the pit. And when does this happen? On the third day. The third day is a big day in the Bible, guys. So the optimistic reader here might expect Jonah to be, that's, he's going to be rescued in some dramatic way as he's in the belly of that fish. Some dramatic event and a visitation from the angel Gabriel. A chariot of fire beamed up right out of that fish. But it's not what happens here, right? We read in Jonah 2.10, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The great fish tosses his cookies and Jonah ends up on the shore covered with shrimp cocktail and crab cakes. And the best part is Jonah realized that not even death and the grave are too big for our God. The whole book of Jonah points us to one who was ultimately going to defeat death and sin. And Matthew 12, 40, Jesus shared what we call the sign of Jonah. He said this, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, the message of Jonah offers us a foretaste of the victory of Jesus. Death loses. Sin loses. Sorrow loses. Sadness loses. And joy and salvation win. The kingdom of God wins. It wins. So in 1 Corinthians 15.55, Paul quotes Hosea 13.14 saying, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? And then in verse 57, he says, but thank God he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, ultimately, the book of Jonah is about a great God, a God of salvation and mercy and power and grace. And it's a story centered around a great God who is really sovereign and all-powerful, a God who is there for us, who hears our cries and answers our prayers. So the early believers in Jesus facing persecution um, at the hand of Rome, they used to meet in the catacombs. Um, If you know what the catacombs are, they're burial tombs below the city. And um, the early church used to meet there to worship because they couldn't meet publicly. And so actually that's where we get the term underground church from. And they discovered... Years later, we've discovered that in the catacombs, there's all kinds of the the very first artwork of the first Christians who believed in Jesus. And you know what the very first pictures that the very first Christians started to draw? It wasn't, uh, the most common was not Moses, the great lawgiver, or David, the great king, or Abraham, the father of Israel. The most drawn piece of artwork in the catacombs was Jonah. Because those early believers facing persecution, they got it. 
while everything is seemingly going down, deliverance is coming. A third day is coming. Resurrection is coming. We just have to hold on. And we've, when it all seemingly is going down, you hold on and say, God, bring me up. God, bring me up. I believe in the darkest moment of your life when everything seems to be going down. Look up. Redemption is at hand. God will lift you up. But like our part, our part, just like Jonah's part in the story, is to cry out to God, help, help. I need you. I can't do this on my own. I surrender. So let me give you a couple practical tips today. Number one, the book of Jonah reminds us that God is at work even when we run away from what we think we cannot accomplish. Ask God what you're running from, something he has equipped you to do, but you are afraid. Face your fear and go to Nineveh. What is it that God's calling you to do and there's, there's fear that has stopped you from moving forward? What stopped you? What are the things, what are the dreams that God has placed in your heart that you've done nothing with because fear has stopped you? Remember, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Stepping out when you don't actually know the outcome certain. That's what faith is. Number two, when you're going down, and guys, if I, could, if I could summarize it, this is it, guys. When you're going down, cry out to God for help. He loves to answer that prayer. We are acknowledging our powerlessness and our need for God's intervention. We're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you to intervene. You're the only answer in my life. And number three, when you turn to God, the third day is coming. Hold on. Hope is here. He will bring you up from the dark and the fearful places. Um, and I encourage you to, when you experience something like that, write it down. Um, write down how you feel rescued and acknowledge the gift of a second chance. We're serving a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances, right? That's what God does. He just gives us... So let's, let's go there. Hold on. There's a resurrection coming in your life. There's hope when it all looks dark. It just takes us saying, God, help. I need you in this moment. I can't do this on my own. Let's all stand. If you're here today, and maybe you've never given your life to the over to the Lordship of Jesus. I want to say a prayer and I want to have you repeat that prayer. If you're saying, I am here and I just I need God in my life. I've run and I've run and I've run and I've done my own thing, but I need God. Um, I want you to pray this prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. You know what saves you? It's a heart change. Something happens in here. 
and it's this switch that gets flipped. And instead of doing your own thing, you're saying, God, I, I want to follow you. I want to figure this thing out. I want to figure out uh, how to live life and have life to the fullest. And so if that's you and you are acknowledging your brokenness, your shame, your running from God, uh, just pray this prayer after me and say, God, I give you my whole life, all that I am and all that I come become. So Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. I give you where I am today and where I'll be this afternoon and where I'll be tomorrow. God, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, in my running. I've hurt you. I've hurt people around me. And I've hurt myself. I ask that you forgive me and set me free. Jesus, I give my life to you. Today, I stop running. I'm stopping running today and I'm making a choice to follow you for all the days of my life. So Holy Spirit, come into my life. Fill me up so that I can live my new faith out in every way. In my, in, in my home, my school, my, my job, my work situation. Help me live out my faith because you live inside of me. I give you all that I am. I put this marker in the ground. This is, this is my date where I stopped running. And I'm following you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we have our prayer ministry team come on up. And uh, if you're here and you need some prayer, we would love to pray for you. Uh, the prayer team, it's an honor to pray with you for what God's doing. And so if you're here today, um, Maybe you're here and you've been running and you just want to say, pray for me. I know that in myself, I've been a runner and I just need prayer that I stop running. Um, we'd love to pray for you for that. Um, maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you're going down. You identify with Jonah sinking into the sea. You feel like life is falling apart. You are in a pit in a pit and time is running out and you don't know what to do the answer is God and so I encourage that person there's a couple of you that you're in the pit and time is running out and it's time it's just time so get some prayer today um, I feel like there might be one or two of you here that your prayers you've been praying this prayer and God hasn't answered a prayer the way you wanted it to and there's been some disappointment and I think you just need to get some prayer because you know, God always answers our prayer sometimes it's yes and sometimes it's no and sometimes it's like in my time hold on and so but maybe you're here and you feel almost disappointed uh, we'd love to pray for you for that and then a couple more things somebody feels empty and you just need, you have this like God-shaped vacuum in your soul and you, you just feel empty and you want to be filled. They would love to pray for you for that. Also, if you're struggling with eye problems today, physical eye problems, we'd 
believe that God wants to bring healing to your eyes today. Um, I have one more thing. Um, if, if you are called to a Nineveh and you're saying, I'm scared to death, but I'm going on anyway, we want to pray and bless that over your life. For some of you are saying, oh, I know you've called me to this, God, but I just don't know how. I'm scared to death. We want to bless what God's doing and bless that calling this morning, okay? So, um, or maybe you just need some other prayer. Prayer partners up front. Um, yeah, so Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come. If you need prayer, prayer partners up front, we'll have our closing prayer in just a minute. Let's sing this song. If you need prayer, come on up.